You know what's interesting? Most people go through life without ever knowing the answer to their problem. And so often we don't really know what the problem is, yet we search for meaning and purpose. We search for an agenda, yet so often we're clueless about that. Well, the issue of life is our hearts. We've been talking about having an open heart. We've been talking about the heart and we've been discussing the fact that the heart is the essence of who we are. The heart is our intellect, it's our spirituality, it's our uniqueness. Everybody has a heart. We have a heart physically and there's some definite parallels. Our heart pumps about a gallon and a half of blood throughout our bodies every minute if we're spinning or if we're running a marathon or, or let's say we're, we're crossfitting, it can be over eight gallons per minute that's being pumped throughout our bodies. Of course, if our hearts aren't beating, we're dead. So our hearts mean a lot to us physically, but in a deeper sense, our heart of hearts is what I want to talk to you about today. You know, I don't want to make, and I try not to make too many broad brushed statements, too many general statements, but in this session, this last session of Open Heart, I feel the freedom to make a statement because Jesus made this statement, and it's a statement about the heart. Here it goes. Everybody hearing my voice right now, whether you're here or at one of our many different locations, everybody fits in one of four categories. Everybody. I'm just, again, quoting Jesus. A, B, C, or D. A, B, C, or D. Everybody, after this message, will go, man, I'm A, no, I'm C, I'm B, I'm D. There's no E, there's no none of the above. Everybody fits in one of these four categories. So I want you to do something for me. I want you to close your eyes just for a second and use your imagination. Close your eyes. Jesus has just gotten up. He's walked down to the Sea of Galilee and he begins to do something the disciples have never seen him do before. He begins to teach in parables. Listen to his words as your eyes are closed. Matthew chapter 13, verses three and following. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell amongst thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. You can look at me now. That's the first time Jesus ever used a parable, a story. What is a parable? A parable means alongside. Jesus told a story that everyone could connect with alongside a spiritual truth. There are 27 parables in the Bible Jesus taught 
using parables all the time. And the Bible talks about this. A parable is a mirror. In other words, when his audience, thousands who were crammed along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, when his audience heard this, it was a reflection, a mirror of who they were. Also a parable is a window where the listeners can see the grace and the movement of God. Whenever you see a parable in Scripture, in the New Testament, when Jesus uses a parable, there's only one meaning. There's not two, there's not three, there's not four, unless Jesus specified. So there's one meaning. This parable is one of the most frightening parables in the Bible. You're not gonna see this parable or the key verses in the parable on coffee mugs or on T-shirts. You're not gonna hear very many songs written about it because it's up in our face, up in our grill. Jesus was showing his disciples the reaction to the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus was showing his listeners, and he's showing us, that the majority of people don't respond favorably to the word. As you read this text, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, this, this story. As you read this, you think about soils, you think about your heart, you think about your responses and other people's responses to the Bible. The sower here is Jesus. The sower would be the disciples, the apostles. The sower would be you and me if, if you're a genuine follower of Christ. A sower is someone who scatters seed. So the sower in this context is Jesus and you and me. The seed would be the word of God, the Bible, that sacred scalpel, that blessed blade. The, the thrust of this parable, though, is about the heart. It's about the soils of our soul. How is your heart? A, B, C, or D. I'm going to fly through these as Jesus did. Let's talk about our heart. Let's talk about the responses. The first heart that Jesus talked about is a heart that I call the concrete heart. You know people like that. They're hard-hearted. You know what I'm saying to you? It's like the, the seed is, is sown, it's scattered, yet bing, bing, it bounces off the concrete heart. And Jesus said, birds fly in and snatch it away. You can write here, if you're taking notes, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. You know people, and so do I, they are hard-hearted. Now and then God will give you an opportunity to sow seed, yet, bang, bang, it just bounces off of their heart. Why? We'll go back to the sower. As Jesus is talking to this crowd, and as you look at the tenor and the tone of the original language, he's imploring the crowd to look. He's, he's like, hey, Check out, check out that sower right there. And, and they saw a man, a farmer, very strategically sowing seed. Now back in the Holy Land during this day, the plots of land were not fenced off. They weren't protected. There were paths that separated the land, the crops. And these paths were as hard as concrete. A wise farmer knew how to measure his steps 
and he knew how to scatter seed. And this farmer had on some kind of a merce or some sort of a, some sort of a backpack or whatever, and he began to scatter the seed. You know as well as I do, if you've ever tried to, to, to scatter seed or, or, or carry fertilizer somewhere or whatever, invariably some will spill out. These birds are the enemies of farmers. That's why you have scarecrows in fields and things like that. So these birds were waiting to snatch the seed and fly away. Lisa and I love to go out to eat. We especially love Mexican food. There's, 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 there's no Mexican food like Texas, right? I mean, I, mean, I just love the, 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 the food. I love Mexican food. There's a restaurant where we frequent and you can eat outside, kind of casual place, but, but uh, I like it. And Lisa, Lisa and I try to eat outside as much as possible. I don't know, we just enjoy that. And there's some birds that hang out there. They're giant black birds. I don't know what they are, but they're massive birds, you know, with goatees and everything. So <laughs> these things are so smart, so brilliant. It's like they know when the check is delivered to the table. They can tell if the person's paying cash or credit card, they know, because their timing is just impeccable. So before the busboy gets there, right after the patrons leave, I've seen them just dive bomb tables. They love the tortilla chips. Anybody here like chips and hot sauce? Oh man, I can live on that stuff. These birds are so smart. I've seen them take chips, dip it in guacamole and eat it. I saw one the other day, seriously, there's a little fountain in this area. Take a chip to the fountain and he like dunked it 30 times. He like baptized it. Then I saw him do this and any chip that drops to the ground, to the concrete, any table that leaves anything, especially the chips, those birds will tear it up. That is the picture here, the sinister picture of the bird, of, of someone coming in and snatching it away. And here it's the enemy himself, a hard heart. Why does someone have a hard heart? For example, they could be hard against sin, against Jesus, against scripture. Why? You know those people, so do I. You, you know what I'm talking about. Why, why, why? Well, we'll go back to the picture of the farmer. The farmer is walking down a sidewalk, but it's made of dirt. It's as hard as concrete. Unprotected, no barriers, and because the farmer walks on the path so much and because travelers walk on the path so much, it becomes as hard as a rock. So often people with concrete hearts have no boundaries, no fences, and they let the wrong people and the wrong things walk in their heart of hearts. It could be media choices, websites, movies that feed lust for a long, long time. It could be relationships that tear you down and pull you down. It could be unforgiveness. People have a concrete heart for many reasons. And Jesus just simply said, that's the deal. And, and, and he explains it too in verse 19. When anyone hears the message, he's talking about the concrete heart, about the kingdom and does not understand it, 
the evil one comes and snatches it away, what's sown in their heart, in their lives. This is the seed sown along the concrete path. Wow. You might be here and you have a concrete heart. You might be saying, is there hope for me? Well, God knows. I will tell you this though. You remember Pharaoh back when the children of Israel escaped Egyptian bondage. bondage. The Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. And then, and this is really scary, God hardened his heart. Only God knows if you have another opportunity, those here with a concrete heart, only God knows if you have another chance to give your life to Jesus. I believe you do because you're here, but only God knows. You know, there's something, I was talking to a friend of mine that's done a lot of farming. There's something called a, a bottom plow. You hook this plow to a tractor and it goes really slow and it can plow up the most difficult, the, the hardest dirt and soil imaginable. It takes a long time. It's a, it's, a, it's a process, but it can soften it. And I believe even if you have a concrete heart and you're here, God can soften your life and it can be receptive to the seed. God is a sower. And those of us who are believers, our job is simply to scatter seed. But there's another heart I want you to notice. The cosmetic heart. The cosmetic heart. You know, this area, and also in Florida, we're known as, as an area that loves cosmetics and cosmetic surgery. Isn't it true? Cosmetics. Cosmetics cover the, the wrinkles. It covers like age spots or, 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 or blemishes or whatever. Then some people go under the knife and have cosmetic surgery. And you've, you've seen them before. You've seen people and, and maybe their face looks like they're 40, but in reality, they're 102. <laughs> and good for them, they've had cosmetic surgery, but underneath the, the, the cosmetic, you, you, you've got someone who's really, really old. This is an illustration of what Jesus is driving at. Some people emotionally go, oh, I want to become Christian. Oh, I want to receive the word of God. Oh, I want the joy. Oh, I want happiness. Verses five and six, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. I've been to the Holy Land a lot. In fact, we're, we're putting together another trip to the Holy Land over the next year. So, so mark your calendars. I would love for you to go with us. And, and I enjoy the Holy Land and we're, we're doing another trip. So anyway, we're in the Holy Land and I remember looking at, at so much of the soil and thinking to myself how fertile it looks, but one of the guides told me beneath the surface is a massive amount of rock. So it looks good on the outside. Man, what a facelift. But underneath, it's not looking so pretty. So this is the person that receives the seed. Boom, the seed germinates, the roots, the roots descend, they hit rock, and then the plant begins to grow, and the farmer's like, this is gonna be a world record crop. No, it's not. 
no roots. And then Jesus said, when the sun comes out, when someone's persecuted, when you got some problems, the plant is scorched. When the sun came up, Jesus said, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Verses 20 and 21, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word. Oh, I got you, Ed. Yeah, man, I'm a fan of fellowship. And at once they receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I've seen scores and scores of people who fit in this soil. A, concrete heart. B, cosmetic heart. I've seen a lot of cosmetic Christians. Everything is cool when God's doing what you want him to do, but then maybe you're ostracized by the in crowd. Then maybe you hit a difficulty. Then maybe a sickness. Then maybe a rogue wave strikes. And if you have a true experience, if you're truly a believer, it makes you stronger. But if you're a cosmetic Christian, no, you just fade away. Emotional warfare. This is the person who's into emotions, man. Emotions are the shallowest part of our existence. Did you know that? Let me say that again. Emotions are the shallowest part of who we are. So we can't make the deepest decision based on the shallowest part of who we are. And so often, we're never going to feel it. We don't feel our way into a commitment. We commit and then the feelings follow. That's so, so important to understand that. I don't always feel like reading the Bible. I don't always feel like praying, not, not always. I don't always feel like running, feel like working out, feel like eating clean. I don't always feel it. And you realize our culture, we're so feelings-based. What's the mantra? Go with your heart. Follow your heart. I love the devotional that we had today. Did you check out our devotional online? Have you done that today? If not, go home and do it. I did it earlier this morning. The devotional talked about being under new management. Have you ever driven by a restaurant and you've seen a sign, under new management? It always scares me. When I see that, I will never eat there again. In other words, we totally screwed everything up. Now we're trying harder. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Under new management. But that's so true. When we become a genuine follower of Christ, we are under new management. We have this heart transplant. We trade our diseased and depraved heart in for Christ's dynamic and righteous heart. We're under new management. He shows us and models for us what to do and how to be. But I got to ask you, are you a cosmetic Christian? Is everything just based on emotion or have you made that commitment? There's another, there's another type of, of heart. It's C, the crowded heart. And that's where we get material warfare. So we got spiritual warfare, 
We've got emotional warfare. That's where the enemy messes with your emotions and mine. Oh, you don't feel in love anymore. Why don't you, you, you jump into her arms? You don't, you, know, I, I, you don't feel like going to church. Why don't you do this or that? I, I know you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like scattering seed. You see what I'm saying to you? Feelings are funky and they're freaky. Well, then there's the crowded heart. That's materialism. And that's something that we all deal with, we all face. And I'm gonna tell you, if you have a concrete heart, God can change your life. If you have a cosmetic heart, God can change your life. He can plow up the rocks and make the soil fertile for the seed. But I'm here to tell you, if you have a concrete heart, Jesus said you're not a believer. If you have a cosmetic heart, you're not a believer yet. And some have a crowded heart. Materialism has choked the life out of you. Materialism. And, and rich people are not the only materialistic people. Some of the most materialistic people I know are from the middle class. And the rich have one advantage over the poor. At least they know that money doesn't satisfy. They figured that out. The poor, they haven't figured it out yet. And it's great to have things. The Bible is not anti-ownership or anti-wealth. However, it's, it's the whole possessions thing. Do you possess possessions or do possessions possess you? Yet, yet Jesus said in the, in the crowded heart, Matthew 13, 7, this is someone else who's not saved. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So see the farmer, he's sowing. He's scattering seed liberally. He's thinking about, you know, putting it in the best soil, but some falls along concrete. Some, you know, oh, it looks pretty good, but it's cosmetic. Now some falls in weed beds. I've never planted weeds, have you? Hey, I want to plant a weed bed right over there. No, we don't do that, do we? But weeds grow naturally. They grow naturally in my heart. My heart, I'm naturally envious. I'm naturally materialistic. I'm naturally prideful. It's just weeds. I'm just, I just, I'm just in that way, so are you. Yet, this seed has to be planted supernaturally. So the crowded heart, let's talk about that for a second. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and <laughs> choked the plants. 22 of Matthew 13, Jesus explains it. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, okay, I got it, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it, let's say it together, unfruitful. How do you know if someone is saved? How do you know if someone's a believer? Jesus said, I will know my followers by the fruits they produce. So really, I'm the only person that I know who's saved. I don't even know if Lisa's saved, because I'm not God. I believe she is because of the fruit, but I'm not sure you're saved, because I'm not you. Yet most people, it says here, the majority of people who think they're saved aren't. A, B, or C, the crowded heart. We had, <laughs> growing up, a massive flower bed in our yard, and this thing, you know, we planted flowers and we thought it was gonna look so great, but nutgrass took it over. Have you ever heard of nutgrass? It's demonic weed, man. This stuff is nasty. Well, well, nutgrass took over this flower bed and we tried to kill the nutgrass with different chemicals and then we 
put tarp over nutgrass. Nothing would take the nutgrass out. So we would have these giant weed pulling parties. Dad would, uh, would start the weed pulling parties and he would leave to go to work and he would leave <laughs> my brother and I and a few gullible friends pulling weeds. So we would pull weed after weed after weed after weed and, and I'll just be frank with you, many times I did not get the nut grass by the roots. I would just pull the top off. And here's what I discovered. When you pull the top off, the weed gets stronger and meaner Nutgrass is wicked. So, so, so weeds just happen in our lives. Well, Jesus is driving at the person who says, oh yeah, I want to receive the word, yeah, but their heart is so crowded because we only have a certain capacity, right? Chokes out the life. They never really were believers. They never really were saved. They never really made a faith decision. I told you this is a scary, this is a scary verse. I mean, and, and, and the other verses are also frightening, are they not? So in the, in the first one, the seed couldn't get in. In the second one, the seed couldn't get down. In the third one, the seed couldn't get out. So Jesus was like showing his disciples, you guys are gonna get rejected, man. The majority will not respond. And I've often wondered, if Jesus is the Son of God, which I know he is, if he died on the cross for our sins and rose again, which I know he did, why don't everyone who hears the gospel, why don't they give their lives to Christ? It's a hard issue. I mean, if the Bible is the word of God, written by all these authors, inspired by the Holy Spirit, infallible, our authority, seems like everyone would, would read it, and when they read it, their lives would be changed. But it doesn't work that way. A heart issue. Everyone has a heart issue, and the issue is your heart. A, B, or C. A, B, or C. If you're a concrete person, God can soften the soil. If you're a cosmetic person, God can take care of those rocks and give you fertile soil. If you have a crowded heart, God can pull those weeds with your faith and repentance and obedience. God can do it. But then there's the cultivated heart. That's the heart that, that, that God can give us. He really can. And he says in Matthew 13, 8, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced, wow, a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. But the seed falling on good soil, verse 23, refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. And he talks about just the bumper crop. Amazing. It's amazing what God can do in our lives if we say, God, I'm ready to receive the seed of your word. I'm ready to receive in my heart a new heart. But I'll say it again, most people who think they're Christians aren't. Jesus said, many will say to me on that last day, Lord, I did this, Lord, I did that. He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I will know my followers by the fruits they produce. So I'm talking about Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. 
I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Your heart will beat fast for the bride, the local church. You'll want to, not always, but most of the time, you'll have a desire for the Word, a desire for prayer, a desire to share, a desire to bring your resources to finance the only thing Jesus ever built. You'll have a desire for service. Those are just basic signs of fruit. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't have those, biblically speaking, theologically speaking, I would put a big honking question mark after salvation. Because if you know Christ, there's gonna be change. But again, I'm not God, I can't judge you. I'm just giving you the words of Jesus. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm a grandfather. I became a grandfather several days ago. I love it. You might be thinking, there's no way, Ed, as young and dynamic as you are, you're only, what, 32? Well, yes, I'm a grandfather. And I've been, you know, talking to some people about being a grandfather. And, you know, my daughter, when she, when she had our granddaughter, she had something called a doula. Have you heard of a doula before? Lift your hand if you've heard of a doula, a doula, a doula. Doulas are basically people that help you with childbirth, and they help, you know, this whole thing with childbirth and the baby's born and all that, and these, these people are experts. Today, I kind of consider myself a spiritual doula, you know? <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna help you get reborn. And I can tell you how to get reborn. It's simply by giving your heart to Christ because he gave his heart on the cross for your sins and mine, and we have an opportunity to make that heart transplant. But, but as I was reading about children, and this, this freaked me out. An infant, if you take an infant, and, and, and you have a mom and dad in the room close to the infant, this is scientific, the infant's heart will synchronize with the parents. How crazy is that? God wants your heart to synchronize with his. God wants to give you a new heart. You've got a concrete heart, eh? You got a cosmetic heart, B. You got a crowded heart, C. Go to D. Have that soil receptive to God's word, to his heart. And you, my friend, will produce supernatural, one of a kind fruit. Bow your heads with me here and in all of our campuses. I wanna give you an opportunity right now as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed to pray a prayer with me to make sure you're a believer. I'm not talking about emotion. I'm not talking about manipulation. It's just between you and God. And I've got a concrete heart. Good, you're here. God can soften it. I've got a cosmetic heart. Good. God can change it. I've got a crowded heart. God can do some weed pulling. 
You can make this decision today. A genuine decision by praying this prayer with me. Just say this. Just say, God, I admit to you that I've messed up, that I've sinned. I admit to you that my heart is diseased and depraved and I believe, Jesus, that you gave your heart for me on the cross. You died on the cross for all of my sins and I believe that and I received this heart transplant. I trade in my guilt for your grace, my failures for your forgiveness, my sin for the Savior of the world. I give my life to you. As their heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, would you lift your hand just for a second? And I pray the prayer with you. All right, I got you. The back, side. If you pray that prayer in the front, yep, in the back. Okay, other people, other people. If you raise your hand and gave your life to Christ and prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Because we never ask you to do something that Jesus didn't ask his followers to do. I'm going to ask you to stand and come forward. Why am I doing that? Because Jesus always invited people to himself publicly. So I want to give you an opportunity to walk forward and just stand down front and face me down front. I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to get you to tell your story. You just face me down front because we have a gift we want to give you about your new life in Christ. I see your hands. It's awesome. So when I say amen, don't delay. You come forward. This is your time. This is the time where you're saying, Lord, my soil is ready. Because if you're here, you're ready. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. So you come, don't delay. As God leads, when I say amen, you come forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Get ready. Don't delay. Amen. You come as God leads. I know it's not easy. I know it takes boldness. You come. At all of our campuses, you come and face me down front. Awesome. This is why we exist right here. You come, don't delay. You come. This is your moment. This is your time. I remember the time, the day, when I became a follower of Christ. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, my man. Awesome. You feel that, that pull in your life. That's the Holy Spirit of God. It's time to do business with Him. Is this amazing? I want to congratulate I congratulate all of you. And I'm telling you, this is why we exist at fellowship. Because, you know, we're here. I'm on this planet, so are you, to scatter seed. That's why we're here. And that's one thing I can't do in heaven is scatter seed. And I'm just so thankful that you responded to Jesus. So we do have something we want to give you and your, your, your friends and family will just wait for about five minutes after the service. So if you go out to my right and to your left and follow my man, Derek Donnelly right there, we would love to, to just talk with you a little bit and give you some vital information. Let's give it up again. 
You know, that's so true. I read, I read, a, I read an article by a scholar that I've respected really my, my whole life. And he posed the question, he said, you know, we're not here to worship, are we? And I thought, I guess not. I mean, worship is important. Don't get me wrong. We write worship songs and albums and, and we're to express our love to God. But that's not the main thing. And then he said, living a pure life, a righteous life. I mean, yeah, we're to do that, but we can't do that perfectly. But he said, that's not the main reason we're here. And then he went on and went through some other things. He said, the only thing we can do here, we can't do in heaven, is scatter seed. So the homework for those of us who are believers is to scatter seed. And we can scatter seed in so many different ways, in so many different areas of our lives. So I'm just, I'm just thrilled about that. And I pray that we never, ever, ever get over scores and scores, hundreds of people who've made decisions here over the last several weeks and at our many different locations.